and welcome to the good, the bad, and the podcast, the show where we take a given movie genre and we explore those examples that are beneficent to our sensibilities that absolutely malign us and those ugly examples that are so perverse we can't help but grab a sifter of brandy and watch them to the very end. Hello, everyone. I am Mark. Hey, I'm Kelly. And I'm Charles. Oh, and this tea is exceptionally good today as we explore. <laughs> Kelly, what were your picks? Oh, well, okay. So my picks for this episode, beautiful intro, by the way, Mark, that was Thank glorious. you, thank you. Um, <clears throat> tonight, we're going to be talking about Kira Knightley period pieces, and the picks are Atonement from 2007, Silk also from 2007, <laughs> and Anna Karenina from 2012. Good show, good show. I promise you won't have to listen to my terrible, not quite British accent for much longer. I uh, live for yeah. your impersonations, Mark. These were good. These were, I like these picks. I like Keira Knightley. Obviously, we did uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, which is another one of hers. Uh, so I'm excited. I'm well, excited and it's interesting because I was kind of looking at her, you know, her filmography on IMDb and I would say at least half of them are period pieces. Like it's, yeah. it's maybe even more than half. Um, it's yeah. it's kind of crazy. And I, I, I was trying to think about why that is. Like, is it is it her look? Is it? And I think um, I know we're going to talk about Silk second, but um, I think it has a lot to do with her accent. She has kind of that posh accent that the British accent that I guess Americans especially associate with that kind of period. So it fits in really nicely with these period pieces. And Silk, she did more of an American accent, and I think that was problematic. So I don't know. We'll we'll see. Uh, but that's that's my take on it. That's a big part of it. Yeah, it. I mean, it really is amazing. I, I do think, I, I don't know what it is about her look, but I do think her look is a part of it. Um, <clears throat> she just has this kind of uncanny ability to blend into a variety of different pe- periods because, I mean, not, you're right, she has so many period pieces, but they're not all Victorian. They're, they're from uh, just a wide variety. And so it's like she kind of she's kind of a chameleon i mean she can she is obviously a modern woman today like she does some really great stuff today but but i mean she just fits in so many different eras and so it's kind of an indefinable quality i i i really don't know what it is about her but she does it so well she's an amazing actress and this was a really really hard topic to choose just three movies for because there's a lot that i would want to talk about and so that's Partially why it took me eight months to <laughs> announce my picks. Well, <laughs> and, you, um, and you said also that if we hadn't covered Pride and Prejudice, that would be your top one. Is that correct? Does that still stand? Yes, Okay. it would. And I want to get that out of the way. I mean, the, uh, if, you, if anybody out there listening to this has not already checked out episode 58, our podcast over classic fiction adaptations, you should definitely do so. We talk about Pride and Prejudice at length during that episode, so I didn't... We just did that so recently. I didn't want to go into the whole ball of wax all over again, but I thought it would be fun just to take a quick two, three minutes, you know, to talk about some of our favorite things about Pride and Prejudice, um, if you guys want to. Sure. And also, I was going to say that um, it's pretty interesting that two of the movies you picked are from the same director, Joe Wright. So mm-hmm. I, I mm. you know, so I, I wonder if part of it is you like her and his movies. Perhaps we'll see. I mean, it could be that Perhaps. you hate her in one of these. I don't know. <laughs> So go ahead, yeah, uh, let's, yeah. Let's talk about Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, so Pride and Prejudice, I almost spoiler alert, 
um, for episode 58, it was my good pick for classic fiction adaptations. I almost feel like it is so good that it's almost indisputable. You know, I mean, I, she does, she, like we've just been talking about, she has so many good period pieces, but I, I, I would be hard pressed to believe someone who said that there was a better example of a Kira Knightley period piece than Pride and Prejudice. It just, it works on every level. She was perfect as Elizabeth Bennet. The score was amazing. The direction was amazing. Her supporting cast was fantastic. I mean, obviously it helps when you have a great source for your material, but um, it's just a really beautiful movie. It, 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 all these Victorian novels, like they're they're adapted so frequently in cinema, but I feel like that stands the test of time as one of the best, in my opinion. What do you guys think? I agree. I really liked it. But also, I mean, I liked her in Pirates of the Caribbean. I, I count that as a period piece, and I love that movie. I mean, it's not per se her movie, but I love it. Charles, may I inquire, are you drinking a white Russian while we, <laughs> as a... <laughs> preemptive to our discussion about so, well, it's funny you mentioned that kelly i was just checking my facebook to make sure i had shared the live feed it was like oh no that's the feed from last last episode or the bond episode you know i figured i'd get some mileage out of this that was a different podcast you know, I, yeah I, probably the, the next one i'll do it in is uh, the one with topher a couple weeks for the record Go we do it, not man. film these back to back that white russian could is probably still it's not still good charles uh no i was gonna say so differently Kira Knightley, I didn't quite give my piece about what makes her so good in these period pieces, but especially in Pride and Prejudice, she has this, when it comes to the Victorian era stuff, she has this like frail, um, kind of frail body type, even bone structure, but it's filled with such strength of personality and of like conviction. And so she's got like this wiry strength about her that I think the Victorians kind of favored in their novels. Mm-hmm. So I think she fits perfectly with uh, with Elizabeth Bennet's character, who, you know, the, the the scene that grabbed me the most out of the novel was her marching uh, all the way down to the to the manor to grab her sister, who you know made up this excuse to stay overnight or to stay there, you know, to protect her sister, and just that uh, just that the strength of spirit really comes through. In fact, it's hard to imagine Kira Knightley as a modern woman like i it's hard because i haven't seen her much in terms of interviews and stuff but it's hard to imagine that she actually exists in our time period because she's so i, s- I agree with that and, and i you know i mean i i loved her in love actually and i um and i i liked her in uh well i don't know i don't actually remember how i felt about her character we in the the seeking a friend for the end of the world i i oh, remember yeah, yeah. i think i was actually kind of mixed about that movie i don't remember what i said about her but like that's yeah. another one where she's very very modern in that one so I don't know, but yeah, I mean, even despite those movies, I agree with you, Mark. I picture her in these Victorian period pieces. Yeah, she she was good in that movie, the End of the World movie, but but thinking back on it, it didn't. It, there was some dissonance there, some cognitive dissonance with her in a modern role that I hate. I hate when people get typecast, but it's just hard not to typecast her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. that's what you get for doing too good a job. Yeah, and I, I, I keep thinking her that that movie we saw with Brad Pitt. Um, where he was, his wife was a spy or whatever. Or they thought she was a spy. I keep yeah. thinking that's Keira Knightley in that movie. I know it's not. I know it's not. <laughs> but that's all I could picture in that movie. So that's funny. So the sexy standstorm. Yes, that's right. That's exactly, for those who don't know. We Kelly and I just went to see that movie, and we were the only two people in the audience. And uh, oh, it was know, a good time. And we and it's one of those ones where we eat, and so we. <laughs> 
<laughs> the guy brought one check, and it's and I was like, oh, actually, we're splitting this check, and I, I never. <laughs> uh, Charles is the cheapest date of all time. I, I, yeah, it's like cheap. <laughs> What's it like a date? Two dollar fries or something. <laughs> the guy gave me the craziest a- look. Like, are you serious, man? Would you like the free waters put on yours or hers, sir? I think that came right, up. Do, I'm not gonna lie. Do we want to? Do we want to get into the the official picks? So we're talking about atonement first. Yeah, let's talk about atonement first. Okay. Are we doing the uh, the original version or the sock puppet? Well, oh, I you think definitely we should need to talk mention about that. Both. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was Kelly sent us a, a sock puppet version that was that had me in stitches. It was great. Me too. Oh. I love it. It. I was going to say, real quick, real quick, though, real, real quick, before we really get into it, I do want to talk about stuff, but are we going to tell what we think uh, as far as Mark and I? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. Because I was going to say, Mark, uh, kind of in a group text, he already said what he thought about Silk, so that's kind of out of the bag. Yeah, so, okay, so I watched I watched Anna Karenina first and, uh, and loved it, and I thought, okay, this could definitely be good, but I knew Atonement was, was up for a bunch of awards, I thought, and I heard a lot of good stuff about that, so... Uh, I watched Atonement. I was like, oh, man, Atonement's probably her good. I think Anna Karenina is her ugly. And then Silk, I just couldn't hold back. I watched Silk. I like, this is terrible. Because it, so, <laughs> it was so clearly worse than both of the others that uh, that I've got to be right about, at least about that. Charles, what do you think? So which one do you think is which, though? You think, you think uh, Silk is the bad? Yeah, Anna Karenina ugly, Atonement good, and Silk uh, bad. I'll agree with you, but... That for for what I think Kelly picked. Having said that, though, I see two pretty good movies and one average to bad movie here. I don't really see an ugly. Um, so I, I think I think you and I might be in perfect agreement on that. Actually, Mark, like it's it's really it's hard for me to say which one's going to be the good one for Kelly in this case because both of those movies got pretty good reviews. They were both nominated for stuff. Um, I think Atomic got slightly better reviews, so if we're following what the critics say, I'll say that's probably Kelly's good, but I don't know. It's kind of interesting. I didn't hate any of these movies, though. Okay. All right. I think, oh, man, I think if uh, I, I think if I had to rate them, I, I would I would prefer Anna Karenina, but so I'm excited to have this discussion. Interesting. Okay. Okay. I don't right, disagree well, with let's... you. Actually, I don't disagree with you on that much. Yes, Charles, Charles and I. don't disagree. Charles and I are But, but, uh, but I, I cut you off earlier, Kelly. Please, I do want to hear about the sock puppets. <laughs> oh, the sock puppets. Okay, so I, so <laughs> in 2007, when Atonement came out, I saw it in the theaters in like this awesome art house theater with several of my closest college friends. And it, I remember it so fondly. And we... So we went to see the movie together, and then I don't even remember how one of us found the sock puppet video, but one of us did, and we watched it like a hundred times, and we cracked up every single time because it's just so good. It's it's like a three or five minute um, sock puppet parody of Atonement, and I want you to watch it, but don't watch it um, before you watch the movie Atonement because um, there are big spoilers in it. So. Watch the movie first, then watch the sock puppet thing. It's called, it's, um, I think it's just called Sock Tube Presents um, Sock Puppet Atonement or something like that. Just Google it, you'll find it. Um, I didn't realize it was that old. That's funny. It came out when the movie Mm -hmm. came. Okay. Yep. Or shortly thereafter, yeah. It's cool. I really enjoyed it. All right. Should we do the atonement synopsis? Yes, we should. Okay. 
So Atonement, 13-year-old fledgling writer Bryony Tallis irrevocably changes the course of several lives when she accuses her older sister's lover of a crime he did not commit. And here is the trailer. See, why don't you talk to Robin? I do. We just move in different circles, that's all. Dear Cecilia, you'd be forgiven for thinking me mad. The truth is, I feel rather lightheaded and foolish in your presence, and I don't think I can blame the heat. Running! Do you think you could do me a favor? Run ahead and give this to see. Good heavens, you're blushing. saw him? Yes, I saw him. I know it was him. You know it was him? I saw him with my own eyes. I love you. Come back to me. They gave me a choice. Stay in prison or join the army. My darling, I love you. I'll wait for you. No matter how hard I work, I can't escape from what I did and what it meant. The story, what's it about? A young girl who sees something which she doesn't understand, but she thinks she does. was atonement or uh, the original three-part word at one mint um i always like that word to be at one with something but anyway that's neither here nor there yeah. uh so pretty good movie i think kelly what what is this, this is good bad ugly this is my good pick all you right we're right so uh, okay atonement i Man, I I really love this movie. I don't know if I could say, I mean, obviously I don't love it quite as much as Pride and Prejudice, but it's just so good. I I don't feel like it's two hours, but the time goes really quickly for me, despite the fact that it's a little bit of a slow burn. I mean, there, there are war sequences. There are sequences where a lot of action is happening, just focuses on the score and about you know longing looks between characters and it's but but i just i mean my eyeballs are glued to the screen the entire time i mean i i get in a um a habit i guess of rewatching it every, every couple of years and it's and every single time like i know how much i like it but every single time i watch it i'm like reminded anew how much it just blows me away um i, I really like kira knightley's performance in it she's 
it's 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 fairly subdued, but and I I love James McAvoy in it. I'm actually really surprised and disappointed that he didn't get any awards or, or at least any Oscar nominations for it. Yeah. Um, because I think he's just I mean he's always he's such a great actor anyway, but he's just so so good in this. Um, all the emotion he puts forward. Uh, all the characters do really. Um, Sir Sharon, and this is the first thing that I saw her in, and now she's since kind of exploded, and now she's been nominated for several Oscars, I think. And she recently did Lady Bird and Little Women, and and I believe she was uh, nominated she, for this, if I'm not mistaken, for supporting. She was. She didn't win, but she was nominated, um, and I was happy about that. This was nominated for seven Oscars, and it only, but it won. I think it only won original score. Which I, I, I don't know. It, it was there was some tough competition that year. I mean, there was no no country for old men. Um, there would be mm. blood. A few other really awesome movies. So it's hard to say like, oh, this should have definitely won. But I mean, there were a lot of pieces, a lot of categories that I thought like I very biasedly thought that it should have won. Um, but the, but the score, like I do want to talk about the score. How I mean, the, the, there's all these. Um, the concept of letter writing and story writing is very pervasive throughout. And so the score has all of these keystrokes in it um, on a typewriter and it's just woven into everything really nicely. And it's very, very cool. Um, the piano, like the piano, the violin, it's just beautiful. It just makes your teeth hurt. I, this is the kind of movie that you just swoon while you're watching it, like almost literally swoon. Um, but what do you guys think? I could take it or leave it. I'm kidding. This is it was really Dang well it, Mark. Done. Well, the the thing that I that I like the most, the stuck out to me is the storytelling in terms of the chronology. And you could you could really fail at doing that kind of thing where they 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 jump back and forth in time. We start with Brioni and we see her what she sees of the incident in the fountain, and then we go back and see it from Kara Knightley. And then at the very end of the movie, there's a huge jump forward, and the, and that but all of it's so seamlessly tied together. Uh, that it, they really pull it off, and I've seen it. I've seen it done very poorly in other movies in the past, where it just is super jarring. Uh, so I love that the, and I think it deserves the the award for the the best score because the music yeah. was. And I love the typewriter sound. In fact, I got my typewriter here next to me, but I won't. If I do it on the table, it'll sound like a explosion. <laughs> uh, the casting for the older Brienne. For, sorry for the middle one the the 18 year old was perfect i mean they mm-hmm. looked exactly the same the young yeah. granny and the and the teenage one and even the the author at the end the 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 not oh i almost said ancient that's really horrible elderly the elderly one at the end i couldn't come up with the politically correct word but that's a red mark see said them all ancient yeah yeah so i just uh even even she was perfectly cast too so yeah i mean this is this is definitely a, a great movie um, and the war scenes, I love that long shot where they they go through the entire uh, the coast of I, I don't know where they are even uh, what city it, that is. Oh, it's Dunkirk. Well, they're yeah, that's, Dunkirk, the, that's okay. just Dunkirk. Yeah, that's the they're showing them all being picked up off the beach. Yeah, that was incredible just to see the and they you know they set up all of the like the merry go round that was just ratted and tore down and all these all these men just hyper realistic. Mm-hmm. So I think I think it sounds like. I'm not going to like it as much as you guys did. Don't get me wrong. I, I still, it's a good movie. I just, I, I mean, are we getting into spoilers? I don't really want to spoil, like really spoil it. We can, 
Okay, well, I'll dance around it slightly then, because I don't always love, uh, um, you know, the this type of narration. Um, what's the word? I forget how to describe it. Um, Omniscience? No, well, just uh, where you don't always believe the narrator. Oh, oh unreliable. Unreliable narrator. Unreliable. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't always love that, and I... In this one, I so, so here's the deal. Like I, when it first came out, I was all I was excited to see it, and um, my friend Sal actually saw it before I did, and he hated it, right? And and I was like, well, why? What's wrong? He's like, well, because they 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 do the trick where it's like, okay, did it happen? Did it happen? Some things are taken back. You know, it's like they go back, and and, and it's like he felt like he was cheated out of a movie in the sense, and. So I avoided seeing it for the longest time. And when I finally saw it, I could see where he's coming from. And I, I, I did feel like that was a little bit of a cheat. Um, and But then again, I, I, I was expecting like the entire movie to be changed. And it really wasn't. It was just parts of it weren't mm-hmm. real. And so I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like that's kind of a cheap trick slightly. I, I don't know. I didn't dig that part of it too much. I would have rather it been... Uh, given some hope because it, it makes it so bleak and I know mm-hmm. the thing is atonement and that's kind of what she's doing at the end but I, even so I wish it would have just been real and they could have taken that element out of it I see I disagree with that because I think I think the tone of it is dreamlike enough that I doubted what was happening as it was happening anyway like the scene and this isn't a spoiler the scene where she runs into that other guy she knows and he he had the head injury Okay. And she's talking to him. And I was like, is this happening? Does she actually know him? Because I didn't recognize that it was... That's a perfect example, though. That's yeah. When I was watching it, like, is that real? Or is he just crazy and she's just pretending with him? Or is it really someone she knows? And I, I just... I did not understand that scene at all. That was one that really confused me. And unfortunately, I, I think that's supposed to be a really important scene. I feel like it's kind of setting up for what happens. I don't I, know. The- the way I interpreted it was I don't think she knew him at all. And I don't think he knew her. I think he was just at death's door. He had that horrific, horrific brain injury. She was there to speak with him in his native French and make him feel a little better. And he like was deluded that she was somebody else, some other girl. Mm-hmm. And she played along with him just to ease his last few moments. But And then she went to the, the woman he was actually talking about. And told her, right, she she went to visit because he gave the girl's name at the bakery or something down the street. And she actually went and visited her. Did she? I don't know. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't remember that. Is that. Or is that when she went to or is that I think that's what I thought was happening. Maybe that's when she was going to see Kira Knightley. And but see, that's, that's, that's my problem with it. It felt okay. like that was a really confusing thing. And if if what Kelly and I are thinking really happened that way, because I agree with you, Kelly, that was my interpretation as well. If that's the case, then it's setting up that she's an unreliable narrator because she's lying to him and going on with that story and easing him and trying to make it a better story than it really is. See, I, I don't know. I don't I don't see it that way. I don't see it as being really her doing at all. He's the one saying, oh, remember when we did this and that? And she's like, uh-huh. <laughs> and no, she, she doesn't. She just is like trying to be nice. And it is a very poignant moment it's kind of a turning point for her character because she's very like she used to be so fanciful as Kira Knightley called her and then now it's like these years later being a nurse and seeing all these things has made her very practical because she's trying to way overcorrect 
from how she used to be. And so she's like Romola Gary, like she plays it perfectly. She plays, she's very wooden and very like, yes, no, but she softens a lot in that scene, I, I feel. Well, and the, the second that. part of my point was, I don't feel cheated because at the very end, we are told what was real and what wasn't real very explicitly and given the reason why. And it's it, it I think it was justified to me. It, it rem- I don't I don't know. It's just it, it really they do tell you, but it's almost like a recap. You know, it's like I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of what other movie I'm, I'm picturing that did that. There was it was like one movie where they were like recapping everything that happened. And it's like, oh, this didn't really happen this way. And just like text. And I feel like that's kind of how it was. It's like. The very end, just a quick thing. Oh yeah, that didn't really happen. <laughs> but what what I found okay, so what I found cool about the twist at the end, not to give it away, was that the scene that wasn't real uh, didn't seem real to me at the time because of the way the characters were acting. I thought they were acting out of character, um, and th- that was significant because that's how that's how Brienne felt they should act toward her. And that's not how they might have acted in that in that manner. So yeah. that was kind of cool. Looking back, I thought, oh, that's why it seemed out of place to me, because it was her writing it and it was her own guilt um, mm-hmm. writing it probably more angry than she than she than it would have been. I completely agree. That's a good point, Mark. But I can see that. I, I but can I can see, see I could also see feeling Cheeto cheated out of it. I've, I've almost wanted to do some picks where we talk about movies with ambivalent endings like. Um, like uh oh, what was the dream within the dream movie i can't think of the title now inception uh, inception you know at the very end so i kind of because some movies handle that better than others with, mm-hmm. with ambivalence but this one wasn't ambivalent right she you know no, it wasn't ambivalent explicitly. it's not yeah i didn't consider it ambivalent i just considered it a slight cheat oh yeah. not, not unlike fight club or you know you had that narrator too and it's like it's right. not, not really happening and it might be happening and i don't know and, and and you're right. Maybe maybe it's one of those I need to go back and watch it again and again. And like maybe there are a lot of clues layered in there. Um, you know, even even one of the early scenes when she's looking out the window and she she looks directly at the camera. I feel like that's kind mm-hmm. of a wink and a nod. Like this is going to be her interpretation of the story going forward. So yeah, maybe that's how I took it anyway. Yeah, I mean there there's so many. I just feel like this is one of those movies where there are so many of those little moments that each person can interpret them differently. Everybody might take something away different from this movie. Um, it, it's a it's a, a personal film, I think. But for me, I really yeah. liked it. I, I I get where you're coming from, Charles. I do. But but for me, it didn't bother me. Gotcha. All right. That was a very civil, proper discussion. Yeah. <laughs> very good, very good. Very good. Yeah, very Victorian of us. Yes, yes. <laughs> Shall we move on to what is it? Anna silk. Karenina? Uh, or silk, silk next? next oh yeah. man, dang! All right. Okay. Dang! So I like here. like that. Silk. <laughs> I'm ready to tear silk. this. Anyway. I know you are. <laughs> the story of a married silkworm merchant turned smuggler in 19th century France traveling to Japan for his town's supply of silkworms after a disease wipes out their African supply. During his stay in Japan, he becomes obsessed with the concubine of a local baron. And here's the trailer. (laughs) What is it? It's your garden and the house if you want it. You know what this is? It's money. I'm going to repair the silk mill. I need you to go to Japan. 
They make the most perfect soap there. The journey's long and dangerous. All you have to do is bring back the eggs. I cannot go. You'll be back by spring. There seems to be some trouble in Japan. It could be dangerous. trade that is all she's quite something isn't she when you leave here you will have what you want may we continue to trade in peace to our lasting friendship do not be fooled by his kindness there is a price for everything japan is an ancient country there are crimes here for which it is acceptable to condemn man to death now go and never return here again They say it's chaos. It would be madness to go back there. silk now okay before you tell us which one this is kelly well i guess you should tell us first and make sure i want to make sure it's the bad pick okay (laughs) it is my bad all right all right (laughs) of course it is Uh, okay what i was gonna say is and the podcast like this where we talk about a bad movie every episode it's kind of it's kind of easy to get into the rut of like this is just terrible And, and but this movie, so the way I would describe the terribleness of this movie is it's like a smooth river on top and a current of just awfulness underneath the surface of this river because it's kind of beautifully shot. There's a lot of good scenery. There's, uh, it doesn't seem, it's like an unassuming terrible movie. Like it doesn't seem like it's that terrible. And at the end I was like, man, this was really a terrible movie and I enjoyed nothing about it. <laughs> so Kelly, hey, why is this your bad pick? <laughs> No, I completely agree. Honestly, this is one of the most visually stunning movies I can remember seeing in a while. Like, it is beautiful. I mean, the way it's shot is beautiful. The just the setting. I mean, it it kind of is jaw dropping. But there's so many things about it that just make you scratch your head and wonder why in the world they decided to do that way, namely. Is Michael Pitt like? Can he not do a French accent? Because I don't. Because Kira Knightley and I'm just completely blanking on his name right now. The one, the Alfred, Alfred Molina. Molina. Yeah, they both are British and they do a really convincing American accents. But there's, but they all have extremely French names. I think they're supposed to be in France, and so there's no reason why. Like I don't know why they didn't just keep their British accent. See, that's that bugs it, me too. I thought the same thing. It's like. Everybody, it's a combination of British and American people doing American accents, fine. And again, this comes down to, as Americans, we're kind of used to 
if if it's going to be a foreign country, if they have British accents, we're okay with that. Like, I, I don't know why that is the case, but at least it's European in some sense, right? Whereas right. this one, it's like, I feel like giving Keira Knightley an American accent and just the way she played the character, you talk about subdued and atonement. Good Lord, she's comatose in this movie. And, <laughs> and the accent is, the it's a good American accent, but it does not yeah. fit her and it does not help her be this this 1860s period piece that it is it made no sense and i was like well you know moulin rouge did a similar thing everybody and that was had american accents and combination of british and australian and american people doing american accents and that was set in paris why did it work there i don't know but it just it just made everyone look bad and and i don't know what it is it's funny that y'all, you both always mention the accents, and I, I never pick up on that at all, which is, I don't know, I guess I should. I don't know why I don't. Maybe because I'm so terrible at them. Well, in this case, I, I can't fault you for that because their accents were were well done, and so you don't, like, when they stick out, you when they're bad, you notice them, but, like, when you don't notice them, that must mean they oh, were okay. They're, they're great. I, like, don't seriously, yeah. don't get me wrong. Alfred Molina's especially, like, I just... They, I'm, I'm used to him, like, from Doc Ock anyway. It's a similar accent to that, but he is British, as we saw in uh, Coffee and Cigarettes. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, like, it, it, they're good. They just feel weird in this context. It's just... Yeah, it's bizarre. Like, the, and their name... They don't change the names to make them less French to cover the fact that they're going with an American accent. His name is Hervé and <laughs> And, like... Right, like... It's so weird, and I cannot. I couldn't stop thinking about it while I was watching this. <laughs> yeah, that's. I, I agree, Kelly, hundred percent. That's all I was thinking about in several of the scenes. Because when she, I didn't know. I'd never heard of this movie before. You brought it up for the podcast, and then I'm watching, and I'm like, okay, she's gonna have a British accent. I don't know, Michael Pitt. Okay, he's got an American accent. Okay, great. But then she starts talking. I'm like, no, she doesn't. She's she's. It's it's like it's a very monotonous American accent. It doesn't even stand out to a specific region. It's just generic American. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, that was odd. That was odd. And so I wasn't me, focused on the accents because I was so distracted by him narrating the entire movie, all of the places he was going, and how long it took him to get there, and how many silk eggs he almost said a cuss word. How many silk eggs he brought back, and then he went again because some of the silk eggs were dead and. Then it was really cold when he went the next time, and then there were not people that time, and then the concubine was there. I Shoot agree. me. This it felt three hours long because yeah. of all of those reasons. I mean, like this I, was. I don't. I don't know what it is though, because again, I Lulon Ruse did the thing with the accents perfectly. Didn't have a problem with it here, and I've liked narration in other movies, even when they go this detailed. It's it's like well, but it was and so at the end it was like. They were doing her garden, like spoilers. Uh, they were doing, you know, her garden after she had passed. And there's this random redheaded <laughs> lanky kid that comes up. He's like, sit down. And then ended up he was telling this whole story to the kid. And at the end of the story, the kid's like, okay. Wait a minute. He's, he's not <laughs> a random kid, away. though. Hold on. That's not a random kid. Not a random kid. He's working on the garden. He enjoyed the garden that the Kira Knightley's character did. It was kind of like their, their stepkid almost. Yeah, he he started out in the movie. He was like four, and he was this symbol his, of his their dad infertility. left. And his dad left. His dad was depressed. to stopped talking, and they kind of they couldn't have kids. And so that was a very important oh, character. Oh, see, okay, I missed that. I missed that. I apologize because when the 
I was kind of confused by the whole thing because the first time he went, he said something was happening back home and it must have been them adopting the kid you're talking about. Or well, I don't think they ever officially adopted it, but if the lady was pregnant and then the the lady's husband uh, went into a depression. Right, Kelly? Is that what they say? Like The lady's husband stopped talking, kind of like how Michael Pitt eventually kind of stops talking and he's kind of more, you know, inward thinking about everything. Right. Yeah, uh, the kid didn't have a very good... Yeah, he, he, the father was absentee, like emotionally versus physically, whatever. But but they like took him under their wing, and he was kind of like their god kid. And I don't remember what happened to the mom if the mom was still alive or not. But um, I don't. Need, I don't know. They didn't I really. Think... There there were a lot of to to your point though, Mark. There were a lot of things in this movie they don't explain, and I feel like they jump around and they they don't. Yeah, like I, I, to give you another example. What the heck was Alfred Molina doing on the pool table? It was always the same shots, it seemed like. Was he was he trying to... I know they were talking about doing a one-handed shot, two-handed shot. Was it always the same setup? Because I never saw him make the shot. And yet it was seemed, yeah, like I mean, it was seemed like it was supposed to be metaphor or symbolic of something. Right? Yeah, he said if he ever did it, he would leave. And then he did. But it didn't look like he made the shot one-handed. Right. I was confused by that. And so, but can we talk about the concubine? Because that's the kind of the whole point. And I didn't understand that either. So it seemed like <laughs> I agree. It with seemed you. like it was all about how we should be okay that this guy had an affair with this Japanese concubine who was actually Chinese. Uh, and then he comes home and like Kira Knightley forgives him or something, and she really wrote the letter in Japanese and had it tra- like I don't I don't get the moral of the story or if there is one or I I don't know I because <laughs> the entire time seemed like he was happy with Kira Knightley. Like they seemed happy together. There was never a time when I felt like, oh, they're setting us up to be okay when he cheats because they're like there's all this tumultuous undercurrent in their relationship. That like there wasn't really. I mean they struggled <clears throat> to have a child, but but they seemed like they both were su- he was supportive of like they were supportive of each other and I, I didn't feel like I, I don't it was just weird and and like i didn't root for him to be with the concubine at all she was in like two scenes and and it just kind of went from zero to 60 and came out of nowhere and she doesn't yeah, even have and, a name she's listed as the girl in the credits yeah yeah like she's just i don't know if she's supposed to just represent an idea of someone else or just represent sensuality or passion but i felt like they were passionate together like he and kira knightley i don't mm-hmm. i don't i don't See, get it either i don't I, I i agree with you in the sense that they didn't really show them having any kind of arguments or fault or anything but i didn't think they were good together at all right like i did not see any chemistry between these two you compare it to atonement i could see her and james mcavoy together right and like this one i just it seemed like such a bland relationship to me yeah well yeah true and then um i also again going back to kind of you're talking about mark things not making sense like the even when he it was the second time he went and i guess he 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 and the concubine are finally physically together i didn't even understand that scene because it seemed like the one he liked had left the room and was waiting on the outside while he was with a different one yeah, like he never even was with the one that he wanted. She passed him off to somebody else, and he. Like, I and I was very confused I, about that. Like I didn't, I didn't get that. Did he think he was with her because he was blindfolded? 
I don't know, but Kelly Mills just commented if it wasn't even her that he fucked with. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> On the train with us. Yeah, well, so, because we, we watched it together, and, and I just, I didn't understand that. I didn't know. So the he cheated on Keir Knightley, but did he think he cheated with the woman he was in love with? I, that's what I really didn't get. That I'm not even trying to like overanalyze it. I don't think he. Th- I don't think he thought that. I think he just he, like the lady passed him off to somebody else. I felt like he was doing it with her, but thinking about the other lady. Like so, he the, knew he knew it wasn't the same lady that he was intending that's how for. I took it, okay, okay, I didn't but know. Who knows? So he never got her name. He didn't know anything about her. He didn't. It was no physical relationship at all. And yet, that was the woman he loved the rest of his life. I, I yeah, that that doesn't make sense to me. Right, and he he traversed all these miles. He he it upended everything. And then, but but I felt like at the end it was saying because Kira Knightley wrote him the letter that he thought was written by the concubine, and then he like while he's describing it to the gardener kid. He has this epiphany and was like, I guess I did love her all out, all this time <laughs> talking about Keira Knightley. <laughs> it didn't make any sense. It's like, no, dude, you slept with another. Uh, I don't get it. Well, they, and they almost make Keira Knightley like the perfect woman. Like she's completely understanding of this, despite, you know, knowing that he doesn't really love her, even though she he does. I don't know. He. But it's like he didn't even have to tell her on her deathbed. He, she didn't even want to know because she already knew kind of thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, now it's right. Like, up right. To it. Yeah. It's like all is forgiven. And and there's no reason, like based on what we've seen, there's no reason. Like I could see a universe in which that storyline could be somewhat like done convincingly where it's like, oh, the wife forgives him for doing this for some other reason. But they were like, had this perfect life and set up this garden and were rich and wealthy at the beginning. And it's like, what's happening here? Well, in Anna Karenina, that's kind of what happens where the, the wife, the sister is asked to, are the, the, the brother's wife is asked to forgive Karen Knightley actually asked her to do that as you know don't tear the relationship apart it's kind of yeah. the same thing in a reverse um yeah. it's, it's very interesting actually I didn't put those two and two together until now but yeah that, this so it, my 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 least ahead. favorite part was the end where he when he said she died a few days before her lilies bloomed <laughs> yeah. all right saccharine much yeah. uh, right. no but but again if you like, we all think it was a beautifully shot movie and I was thinking that the whole time too because I expected it to be cheap and low budget and whatever it's not this is a gorgeous movie um mm-hmm. so I and have you guys seen The Red Violin from the same director Mm-mm. yes I, it's, I like that movie mm-hmm. um and I don't know. I just I don't know where this went wrong. I, I want to say that because I actually like the uh, the Japanese uh, man, the main man he was kind of dealing with. I liked his I liked his character. I liked it when he spoke. Um, I I want to say most of this movie re- falls flat for me is Michael Pitt. I think he was horribly yeah. miscast. I don't know that would have been better, but I feel like he someone else could have came in with the role and delivered some more panache on those lines and had more chemistry with Keira Knightley. Yep. I, I disagree. Know. I disagree that that's the main problem. I think the main problem is the writing in terms of like, what is the journey of the hero here? Like what's this, what's the character arc? The character arc makes no sense. Um, <laughs> like we can't even figure out what happened and what he, what he knew was happening and why he wasn't like he was driven to Japan to, to find this woman, even though he had the perfect woman at home. It just, there's a lot of weirdness going on with the writing of it. 
I agree. I, I yeah, I, I agree. That's but Michael Pitt was also terrible. Right, right. I'm, and I'm saying I think even with the poor writing, I think if you yeah. had a different actor and some chemistry, I think this would have been a much more passable movie. Yeah, and maybe all of that combined yeah. leads up to being a the director's problem because again, it seemed the only one that I thought even did a good performance was Alfred Molina, and even his lines I thought were kind of mm-hmm. weird sometimes. So, but yeah. Did you guys, did you feel like, I really thought, and maybe this is what they meant, I it, it's ambiguous to me still, but I thought they were implying that Kira Knightley passed away of a venereal disease that he had given to her from the concubine, but then I don't know if they ever expressly said that. Oh, wow, I, I never picked up on that. <laughs> but she was supposed to be, wasn't she only supposed to be like 35 and then she just like died randomly? Oh, wow. Yeah, but did they say what she either. had? I, I didn't know. I, I didn't ever I know. Don't think they, I don't think they did. I don't know why I thought that, but I just felt like that was where it was going. And maybe it was just how saintly, like you were saying, Charles, like how perfect of a character she was. I thought they were like, you know, he gave her this disease, and even still, she forgave him by writing. And that would be a really that would make it worse. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I don't know how I'd feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe that would make a better movie, but uh, yeah, I'm a little. I don't know, because then it's like you would really hate his guts, and there's and and it really wouldn't gel with the ending where he just he's just content with it. Yeah, true. So we'll 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 say that that didn't happen. And I don't know much about history in the sense of like what was Japan doing in 1860s? What war was he even were they fighting in? Do you guys know? I I don't honestly. Mm-hmm. No. No, I don't know. So, I that, that I mean, it might have helped. Like I, I was thinking, if I knew the history of that region, maybe. But then they didn't really show up much either. By the way, what happened to the Dutch guy? They had one shot of his glasses kind of cracked. Were they implying that he died in the skirmish? Or that the Japanese man killed him? I don't know. I, to be, I don't even remember that part. To be honest, well, you remember the Dutch guy, right? That he talks to and he sees and he sees. It's the it's the other guy in the in the camp, and he's like, the only people here come to buy or sell, and he's like, I'm selling guns. And, you're, uh-huh. and he's like, oh, I'm buying silkworms, and and then and then that guy, like later on when he's like leaving, he sees in the snow like a crushed up. The glasses are cracked that the Dutch guy wore. And that's the last time we we ever saw that character again. And so, um, you know, the, the Dutch guy kind of warned him, hey, this place is dangerous and all that. And so the next scene you see that, and I assume that he got killed somehow, but I didn't know how or by whom. So I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> completely passed me by. Yeah, that it just seemed like a loose end to me that they never tied up. Yeah. But I, again, I wondered if I knew more about the history of it, would it make more sense to me? Maybe. So. All right. Well, should we move on to our last pick? All right. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah, that transition, that transition, uh, Kelly, was as smooth as silk. Okay. <laughs> oh, I think. <laughs> smooth as a silkworm. Hmm. Okay. In late 19th century Russian high society, St. Petersburg aristocrat Anna Karenina enters into a life-changing affair with the dashing Count Alexei Vronsky. All right, here's the trailer. I was 18 when I got married. 
but it was not love. Your husband is a saint, and we must all cherish him for Russia's sake. Romantic love will be the last illusion of the old order. Have you known Count Vronsky long? He's a rich, good-looking cavalry officer. Dance with me. Must warn you about something. Warn me. You may, by indiscretion, give the world occasion to talk about you. This must stop. If you have any thought for me, you will give me back my peace. There can be no peace for us. Only misery, my greatest happiness. Oh, this bound together by God, and this can only be broken by a crime against God. Something's happened. Not something, everything. It would be a sin to help you destroy yourself. Sensual desire indulged for its own sake is the misuse of something sacred. The man who can't govern his wife has gone as far as he can go in government. Anna isn't a criminal, but she broke the rules. Leave. Leave my life. She'll be ruined. Do you think I would let you have my son? You are depraved. A woman without honor. And this is what you want. Do you know what you want? And there you have Anna Karenina with Kira Knightley in the title role, the eponymous Anna Karenina. Um, Kelly, explain yourself. Why is this ugly? Okay, so I will confess that I, I don't hate this movie. I don't, it's not anywhere near as ugly as, um, for instance, Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2. Like, it's kind of a different style of ugly for me. Or Little Nicky. I, or, <laughs> we shall not speak of Little Nicky. Um, I, I don't know. It's it's so hard to find a Kira Knightley movie, like a Kira Knightley period piece. Yeah, that's, that's what I figured. So that bad that it's good. Like, uh, I thought about, have either of you seen um, A Dangerous Method? Yes, I have. No, and actually, I, I I really kind of thought that was going to be one of your picks. It almost was. I almost picked that as ugly because I, I, I don't know. I just movie. didn't know it's, what to make of it. Yeah, it's it crazy. is crazy. The spanking but, scenes alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. But <laughs> but ultimately, like, I don't. This movie, I, I just can't decide. Like, I kind of like it, and I kind of dislike it, and I appreciate certain things about it. But ultimately, it really frustrates me. Like, I, I like the art of it. I really like, um, as you alluded to, Charles, I really like Joe Wright's direction. Um, he directed this. He directed Atonement and Pride and Prejudice. And I think he, he I really like just the way that he visualizes things and the way that he his movies feel unique they feel um they they do a great job of paying homage to 
earlier periods, but they also feel very fresh and as if they, I, I don't know. I just, I really like his style. His movies are always very stylish. And this movie kind of dials that up to 11. It's almost too stylized for me. Like, I don't know if what a Russian drama written by Tolstoy needed was to become more operatic and more like kind of inaccessible. I just uh, to to that end though, I, I did wonder like so I have not read the original story. Have either of you? Mm-hmm. No, I just tell oh yeah, I'm sorry, Kelly has I, I have not. It's like super long. So not that I, I sh- you shouldn't read super long books, but Well I, I understand it's a classic it. and all that. But what I wondered is was it ever adapted to the theater, like for an opera? Because I wondered if if that's why Joe Wright is doing it in this style, because it's very like theatrical, like it, it's like to the point where they're seeing all the action on stage and people are gathered around it, and it's it made me wonder if he's adapting it from that source rather than the actual novel. But I don't know because I I can't find any evidence of that. So it seems like he's just going with this crazy blend of like cinema. Cinema as it would have been during that period, like uh, well, to me, closest to it. To me, that that motif was cool because at the heart of the story is this individualistic woman who falls in love with another man, and have, you know, being married, uh, and she comes in in you know stark contrast with the the social world and everybody peering at her, and she she goes to this. Was it an opera she goes to and thinking it'll be okay with everyone knowing, you know, she's a, she's a mistress. She thinks she'll be okay. And and obviously things are not okay. And so I I like throughout the film that, that kind of theater, because it is the theater of her life, like of this audience looking in at her and, you know, she's not allowed to, to be as much of an individual as she thinks she can, she thinks she can handle. I think that's, that's really apropos to today's time that, you know, we think we have pretty thick skin, but if we get trolled online, you know, I guarantee most of us will just fold. And, you know, we, we've got a lot of that going on today with, with social media. Yeah, but, um, that's true. But I really like, so I'm a fan of Baz Luhrmann as well. And this kind of felt in that's in line with that, with the with the stuff he's done, yeah, the classics and reimagining them. And I love the dance scene when they, when they first meet and dance and everybody's like stopping and going as they spin by as if, as if time has time has stopped for them, but I think I, that this is I'm a, I'm more the target audience for this kind of movie because I love these over stylized versions and I love literature and Tolstoy is a I'm a big fan of Tolstoy as well. I really liked it. I, I liked it a lot. Like I liked the visual style of it. In fact, I'm, I I want to say it won for art direction at the Oscars, but um, if not, it was nominated. But I I liked this movie a lot. And as I said earlier, I think I like it and enjoy it more than Atonement. There's a uh, mm-hmm. It's and, and it's kind of, you know, t- talking about what we were mentioning earlier, it's British people in Russia, but they mm-hmm. have British accents. And I'm OK with that for some reason. Again, just because I guess it sounds enough of a foreign thing to me that I'm just, you know, I'm OK with that. Now, if they'd all been doing American accents, I would think it would have bothered me. So, yeah, is that, is that how you kind of felt too, Kelly? Like, Kelly, like you're OK with them because they're British? I'm I'm more okay with it than I was in Silk, but it did kind of bug me a little bit. Do you, would you rather they had like Russian accents but speaking English? Yeah, I think so. Okay, because I, I, I felt I, that way at certain times, especially like for some reason I wanted Jude Law to have a Russian accent. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. I did. I just see they, the way they had him look, and and you know, I just I okay, he's gonna have a Russian accent, and he didn't. He just had Jude Law's accent. 
but I was okay I, with it. I really, I do like Jude Law a lot in this. I don't really, I mean, we've just been talking about how amazing Keira Knightley is. I don't really, I think she, I liked her performance, but I don't like her in the role. Like, I think they should not have cast her. And I don't exactly know why, but she just didn't seem to, f- I don't know. I just didn't like her in the character. And I really didn't like um, Aaron Taylor Johnson as Vronsky. Yeah. He is. He was like I, I think as for, in terms of casting, he was the one that really is questionable for me. I like him as an actor. I this sounds petty, but I was watching it with my wife and with Toby, and they just could not stop talking about his mustache. And and I think that's part of it. Like I, I think his mustache was weird. It comes, it's creepy, and I don't know. I I, I that may be yeah. I don't know. He, he did. He didn't come across as super charming to me. He came across no. as more like a playboy, kind of creepy, kind of cheesy, and and yes. so that that didn't really fit what I thought, what I assumed the character should be, right? But but having said that, I did feel there was more chemistry there between him and Karen Knightley as opposed to what we saw in Silk, where Michael Pitt just felt flat to me. Um, yeah. I I agree with that. I mean, I do think they have better chemistry than in Silk, but. I don't think they have as good of chemistry as she has with James McAvoy. And I 100 percent agree with that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but but I but I I love I love Jude Law's character in this. I I thought all the characters were really well written and all the different storylines paid off in different ways. Um, there was there wasn't really anything left hanging and 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 it was entertaining not only from a visual perspective and a, cinematically and the way it was directed and all that, but it just I never knew exactly what was going to happen, but nothing felt mm-hmm. too crazy to me. And to, to successfully do that with a book as complex as Anna Karenina is pretty impressive as well. Because um, Tolstoy uses a lot of kind of mind jumping, which frustrates me that writers are told not to do it, but all of the great writers do it. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. But he, you know, he'll show different characters like, what was his name? Levin, the, the guy that played one of the, the Ron's brothers in Harry Potter. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. The, the cool thing about that directorially is that um, – Everybody except his character and those scenes with him outside reaping the the grass. All all of the other scenes were filmed inside on the same set um, because he wanted them to feel all very confined in their life. But but Levin was kind of free, and uh, you know the lesson he learned at the end. In fact, I love that last line when he he said, "Was it reason that made you fall in love with your wife or something along those lines?" Um, and he has this epiphany and goes and, and talks to his wife. That was really powerful. Yeah. And, and, and you know all the casting um, you mentioned him he's great in this movie uh, I'm blinking on her name the lady that plays the lady he eventually marries um, she's great yeah she's great she's an Oscar winner now um, mm-hmm. a lot of these people in this movie when it you know it came out in 2012 they they weren't as popular or as famous as they are now now they're you go back and look it's like all the stuff they've been in that was just really really well casted really well done I think it, I, I mean, I, the thing, that's my thing. Like, I agree with a lot of these points that you're making, but at the same time, I don't feel, I felt like I have read the book and and I felt like this was yeah. very confusing. Like, even having read it, I, I was really having just, I was struggling to, to keep up with who was what. Like, they did not, I think they, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe, I, maybe it's just me, but I just, I, I was, I was on the struggle bus watching this and, um, I didn't feel like 
and I, it, there was so much to cram into one movie because I mean this is a, an incredibly lengthy work but I didn't I, I didn't feel like they gave us enough with why she would throw away everything to be with Vronsky like their chemistry was pretty good but is that supposed to be the end all be all of it like I didn't in, in atonement you you get such limited scenes with cecilia and robbie and yet they pack so much emotion mm-hmm. and so much subtlety into all the looks and the tension and the things that are not said that you completely understand it without having to be told every little thing about their relationship but i don't feel like that was See, yeah. my take on this is and maybe i'm way off on this i kind of saw her as being like this immature character who really didn't know what she wanted one minute from the next. Like she couldn't make up her mind on stuff. And like it may for her, it may have been a total lust thing and that's all it was, but it was enough of a contrast to what she perceived as being boring social life, being married to someone high up in the um, Russian government. And, and you know, they, they really alluded to a few times when they tried to pull out that, I guess, whatever type of condom it was, where they'd pull it out and have to put it back. They alluded they had absolutely no sexual chemistry yeah. anymore at all. And so that's how I took it, that she just was lusting after someone and just really didn't know what she wanted. Because sometimes she was really, it was all about her son and couldn't leave without him. And then other times it was like, tell him bye kind of thing. Like, you know, and that's, I that's it, they made her character almost seemed petty in a few scenes. And then, mm-hmm. as I said earlier, when she has to go and talk to uh, her brother's wife and is basically blaming the wife, if, if the marriage falls apart, it's not because he cheated. It's because you're choosing to let this... And it's like, I, I just... Those type of things in her character just... I, I didn't really like her character. It's not that she performed it poorly. I just didn't like the character. And I, But again, I think that's how it was written. Yeah, she's hard, she's hard to empathize with, uh... But I, but I think that's probably the the intention in terms of the complexity of why why would she and she probably thinks at one point this is true love and decides it's it's good enough to leave and that she can she can survive it. Um, but I mean, but she's even not. they even have that argument. He you know she's you know yelling at at him after seemingly she's got what she exactly what she wanted and then she thinks he didn't love her anymore and it's like they're arguing and they're fighting and and I don't even know if really she was accusing him of going out with another woman and all that. And I don't know if that was even really true, if he was really going out to cheat on her or not. Like, I don't know. I I was a little confused about that. Yeah, I, I definitely, I mean, I think you're completely correct. Like, I think that that is how the character is supposed to be. I mean, she, she is immature. She's flighty. She's vain. She's haughty. She's all these things. She's, she's almost like a Russian Scarlett O'Hara. Like, she's not extremely likable. And maybe that's why, it bugs me a little bit to to imagine Kira Knightley in this role because even though she acts it really well, that's just not Kira Knightley. Like she's always the intelligent heroine who yeah. is, you know, brings this ferocity to everything, and you just, she's just very winsome. And this is not a winsome character. It's so right. No, Kira, why? But uh, winsome—that's yeah. the perfect word to describe her. And I knew you would have it, Kelly. <laughs> You, what did you call Liv Tyler tremulous the other the, a while back? I was like, oh, that's it. That's the perfect dang word, and I couldn't come up with it. Yes. Uh, but Kelly, I was going to defend uh, defend your point earlier because you said you had trouble following some of the moving parts. Um, I did too, especially with the Russian names, and there's a lot of fast dialogue. But I feel like the emotion of each scene comes through because I was having trouble with what was happening, and then 
at the dance scene. And then when they start dancing together, I, I figured, oh, okay, now I get it. Right. The, these two are in love and, and, uh, and that, that's the, that's the main, you know, central core emotionally of this scene. So I feel like the style carried me through those, all of these moving parts that were hard to follow. Uh, and I, I was along for the ride cause I figured it would clear up. I would, I would get it in the next scene of, of what really is important here. Speaking of words, I said well casted earlier, and I don't know it would be well cast or well casted. I don't know. I think I used it wrong. Anyway. You did, and I, I withheld my judgment. And <laughs> I figured you're talking about <laughs> words. Yourself, gonna come up. <laughs> no, I'm going to. I had to. So it should just be well cast. Anyway. <laughs> oh, I was going to say there's a really cool podcast um, about the, I think in, what was it, Somalia. There is There's somebody in a prison, and uh, this book apparently saved their life. Uh, because the, this other prisoner was allowed to check out uh, a few books and Anna Karenina was the one he grabbed because it was the longest and he was in prison. Uh, and they developed like this this made up Morse code type, like with each other. And so this guy actually Morse coded the entire book of Anna Karenina unabridged to his next door cellmate who was in more trouble than he was and, and apparently it kept him alive and kept him sane. And it's called, uh, the podcast is called Anna in Somalia. If uh, if y'all want to look it up, anyway, that it was, is crazy. Really cool. That's really cool, though. So yeah, any other uh, any other notes to discuss for our final movie? I uh, I don't. It it was so interesting to me to see because this was seven years after Pride and Prejudice, and obviously uh, Keira Knightley was in Pride and Prejudice with Matthew McFadden. Matthew McFadden is in this but playing her brother yeah. instead of her love interest and that was just like like a really bizarre thing for me to for me to see it was funny but i liked him <laughs> but he movie. did really cool. i liked him a lot in the movie yeah, yeah he showed his range because he was like kind of the quirky comedic relief in this movie you know this, right. movie, this movie was almost like a musical without the singing like there's a lot of the when he would come through mm-hmm. and like be dancing around there putting his coat on stuff it was very the choreography mm-hmm. was fantastic i thought Especially in the beginning, like when he, with the barber and everything, yeah. it, it, the beginning is very, oops, sorry. Beginning is very much that way. Nice. I think, he, yeah, that was great. Well, All right. Are y'all, uh, you ready for me to drop my picks for the yep, next episode? Okay. So <laughs> we, this has been something I've wanted to do for a long time. It was one of the first uh, thoughts, topics that occurred to me when I, when I joined as a, as a co-host. We are going to do dinosaur movies. Uh, dang, that was going to be do... one of my picks coming up. Not, okay, not my so, next one, but well, let me, Okay, so, so let me refine it because we're going to do live action dinosaur movies, right? That feature live action people and, and practical dinosaur effects. Ah, oh, man. Okay, I may, have so to, not... I may have to do that topic again <laughs> soon because that's exactly how I was going to redefine it. Dang it. We can do a double. We can do a double. Let's see yeah, if you Yeah, but it won't be the next the one. Movies. My next one. I've got my next one. So, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so. The picks are 1990, a nymphoid barbarian in dinosaur hell. <laughs> gonna, yeah. Uh, 1995, Jurassic Park, the Three. original. 93. Of course. Is it 93? Okay, I had yeah. written I had written that I couldn't quite read the number. Okay. And then 1997, Future War. Okay. Uh, both both my first and third pick are free on YouTube. <laughs> if that tells you anything so it's it's uh i apologize in advance these are these are it's one of those picks where there's one 
that kind of floats to the top. And the other two are really, uh, man. really digging at the bottom of the barrel here. Man, we have to. <laughs> I, I, I'll redo it, man. I just he, only one of mine was the same as your pick, so the other two are. <laughs> so, but that is not going to be my next one. Which one could it be, Charles? Well, it had to have been an avoid barbarian and you, You'd be surprised, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. All right. Uh, okay. I'm looking forward to that. And and I'm not going to say mine yet because mine obviously is going to be next time. I, I will say that uh, I, I texted you guys this earlier. My my wife is wanting me to apologize way in advance for my genre <laughs> and my picks. She could not sit through the movies. Um, had to excuse herself. Um, and I will give you one more clue. You guys remember the clue last week? That it was kind of horror, kind of not? Well, one, one was Japanese. At least one was Japanese. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. And okay. I'll give you another clue. At least one of these movies is from the 70s. Okay. Uh, that's not much hard. to go on there. I know. Yeah. It's, not, it's really not. Yellington. <laughs> yeah. So I'm really excited to finally share that with you guys, although I do think you're going to hate me. I'm really excited to watch your dinosaur picks, Mark, although I'm really, I'm kind of bummed you beat me to the punch on it, but... <laughs> Wait, how many years have we been doing that? Have you been doing this? You had uh, your chance. I did, I did. But the thing is, I Touché. what made me there was a there's a movie that came out. Well, it's an older movie, but they they um, anyway. Originally, it was very heavily censored. They finally came out with the uncensored version just recently, and that made me want to do dinosaur picks. But I'm not going to tell you what that movie was. Um, but the anyway. <laughs> we should do. Uh, we should just all three do like we did with literature with book adaptations. We should just all do dinosaur movies. Yeah. Per- perhaps we right. can but, do but, animated. Perhaps we should do that. But I definitely want to do. Uh, I definitely want to do my other piece first. Uh, by the way, Kelly, are you going to go after me again? Is that the plan? So you can still catch up. Um. Yeah, after I do sure. my October one. Okay. We'll see. Because we may. I don't know what we're doing for November, but. Oh, yeah, we're doing a. In November, we're doing an election one, so it'll probably be December for you before, oh, yeah. if you want to redo it, but. Oh, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. And what else do we have coming up uh, on the stream? So is it Micah's? Is Micah doing his? Uh, uh, supposedly, allegedly. Um, I have, we got to get, I got in touch with him. But uh, Topher and I are going to do another episode of 50 50 in two weeks. We'll okay. be talking about. Um, uh, the Creeping Terror and Forrest Gump. Cool. I love these match matchups. Yeah, greatness. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, and and we will be. Uh, do you get it? Depends on Micah and his wife Laura what what they're going to be doing. But um, we will be. Uh, Topher Kelly and I will be doing the Hannibal Lecter books. Um, really excited for that. So, who knows if if uh, if Micah and them because I don't know there's they. It's supposed to be pretty soon if they have some episodes um, up and ready. And if they don't, we may just go ahead and start gearing up for ours and kind of switch some things around. We'll see. But I'm cool. excited. Cool. All right. You got the outro, Mark? Stuff coming around the bike. I do. And All the right. outro is that you can catch us live on Facebook or listen to the replay on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and YouTube by searching Good Bad Podcast, all one word, or head on over to our website, itsjustawesome.com. But wherever you check us out, please be sure to like and subscribe. It really does help. And I have been Markington McShakespeareton. <laughs> and I'm just plain old Kelly Ernst. And I'm just Charles today. No meow. We'll see you all next time. All right. Thanks, have a good guys. one, guys. Bye. <laughs>